Well, hello, my friends, and welcome to Hope for Your Heart. This is Pastor Calvin Corbett with Hickory Ridge Community Church in Chesapeake, Virginia. And today we're talking about how to pray for the women in your life. And uh, we're going to finish up that message today. But you know, the word mother appears 320 times in the New International Version of the Bible. So the Bible has a lot to say about motherhood. And I don't know about you, but I'm so thankful for my mom. And uh, my mom is in her 80s. And just this past weekend, she drove from Massachusetts and picked up my niece in Connecticut and then drove from Connecticut down to New Jersey. She came to Cape May, New Jersey. Now, for those of you listening who are Coasties, right? If you're in the Coast Guard or retired from the Coast Guard, thank you so much for serving our nation. Uh, My son just graduated from Cape May, and uh, he's going to be stationed up in Maine. But my mom came down for his graduation. And so I told her, I said, well, why don't you come down and spend a couple days? She said, no, I got to go back. So she left the graduation and drove back to Connecticut for a baby shower and then got back in home uh, on Mother's Day to be in her home church. And so I don't know how she does it. I get tired of just looking at her. My mom is no bigger than a minute. She's only uh, about four foot 11 with her shoes on. And I always kid around and I says, you know, my mom's been looking up to me a long time because I've been taller than her for as long as I can remember. But I'm so thankful for my mom. (laughs) Somebody says that, that motherhood is like a fairy tale. But it's in reverse, right? You start off with a beautiful gown when you get married, and then you end up with stained rags and and cleaning up after little people. But you know what? Moms are such a blessing. Abraham Lincoln said, No man who is poor who has had a godly mom. So we're spending some time not only talking about how to pray for our moms, but also how to pray for the godly women in our lives. You know, I have three favorite women. Uh, One is my wife. uh, Number two is my mom. And the third is my daughter. Uh, Those are the three most important women in my life as we pray for them. David reminds us in the Psalms that if we have cherished sin in our hearts, God doesn't hear our prayers. Peter said about husbands, you know, if you're at aught with your wife, God doesn't hear your prayers. So how do we get our prayers answered? How do we get our prayers heard? And number one, we got to confess that sin. So begin by confessing. Confessing the fact that there may be something that you're harboring. And that's why David cried out to the Lord and says, Now, Lord, would you reveal to me the secret things that I've cherished in my heart? And so literally this this iniquity, right? This sin in my heart, this is purpose of iniquity. I've got to forsake that sin. I've got to confess that sin. And confession is nothing more than agreeing with what God says about our condition. Once we confess, the lines of communication are now clear. So we learned that we are going to pray for the women in our lives. And the first thing we're going to pray is that they will understand and they will have a sense of self-worth. David said, a wife of noble character who can find. She is far more precious, far more worth than rubies. And so pray that God will allow the women in your life to understand just how much they are worth. Not because of what they do, but because of their character. And I think about the fact that my mom decided to bring me into this world. Uh, My mom decided to care for me. My mom made some significant sacrifices for me. And so I am who I am in part because of the three women that are in my life that have most influenced me. You know, I was actually led to the Lord by a woman. I went forward in a church in Massachusetts, Marsh Corner Community Church, on a Sunday night, 
And my first grade teacher, Mrs. Banks, who has gone on to be with the Lord, was there, and she led me to the Lord. Uh, And so I thank God for the godly women in my life. They had made a a profound difference in my life. And maybe when we get close to the Father's Day, I'll talk about the profound influence of godly men. I think you need both. You need godly men and godly women in your life. And Solomon says, a wife of noble character is her husband's crown, but a wife who causes shame is like rottenness to his bones. So we pray, first of all, that the women that we love will understand and realize they have much self-worth. They have that noble character. And then number two, we pray that they will laugh at the days to come. Solomon says that she is clothed with strength and dignity. She can laugh at the days to come. She can laugh because she is prepared. You know, the Bible says, a glad heart makes a cheerful face. But by sorrow, the heart and the spirit is crushed. Why can this woman in Proverbs 31 have this laugh in the days to come? It's not that she's not taking things seriously. She knows something's going to come down the pike. You know, every time I do marriage counseling or pre-marriage counseling, I tell couples, now listen, when you get married, somewhere along the line, something's going to happen in this marriage. And it's going to rock the very foundation of this marriage. I don't know what it's going to be. It could be sin. It could be infidelity. It could be great disappointment. It could be some health issues. That's why when we give the marriage vows, it says, I'm going to be married to you for better or for worse. And you're going to have times of worse. For richer, for poorer. There's going to be times of poverty. We don't have quite enough money to do the things you want to do. In sickness and in health. There's going to be times of sickness. There's going to be times where something comes into that marriage that will rock the very core of the foundation of that marriage. This woman of noble character is clothed with strength and dignity. She's ready for the hard times. She's ready for the winter. She's ready for the difficult times. I promise you something is going to happen in your relationship and your marriage. Will you be ready for it? Will you expect it? You see, most marriages fall apart, not because of infidelity. Most marriages fall apart because expectations are not met. You see, we go into this marriage with preconceived notions of what we expect from our spouse. Sometimes our expectations are so high, and it's not that our spouse is not able or not doing well. It's just that we are over-expecting from them. We're expecting them to be something they can't be. You know, your spouse cannot be God. Your spouse is not going to be perfect. If you're in a long-term marriage, you've learned something very early along in your marriage. You've learned to be two great forgivers, constantly forgiving one another. Uh, So as we think about praying for our spouses, praying for the women that we love, we pray that they will laugh at the days to come. We pray that they will understand their self-worth. And then number three, we will pray that they will receive the honor they deserve. Solomon says, Proverbs 31, verse 28, her children arise and call her blessed. And then the high priestly prayer. I love this prayer. Oftentimes at the bottom of a letter, I sign my name and I put Numbers chapter 6, verses 24 through 26, where Moses is giving the high priestly prayer that goes like this. May the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. When I think about honoring the mothers and the women in our lives, we are to honor them because it is the 
promise that we receive as we honor them. We live long, and our life goes well. I think about honor, and I think about what Paul said to young Timothy way back in 1 Timothy chapter 1, verses 5 and 6. Paul is remembering something about Timothy. And he says, you know, Timothy, um, I know you, and I know your grandmother, and I know your mother. And he says, when I recall to remembrance the genuine faith that is in you, I know that that faith first was in your grandmother, Lois, and your mother, Eunice, and I'm persuaded that it's in you also. He says, therefore, I remind you to stir up the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of hands. I pray that my wife, my mother, my daughter will stir up that gift within them and that I will always remember the genuine faith that is in them. Now, maybe you're listening to me today and says, well, I don't have a mother of faith. I don't have a mother that, um, that deserves honor. She doesn't know the Lord and doesn't want a relationship with the Lord. I've discovered something about moms and about women as a general rule. 99.9% of women want to do the right thing. Uh, they know what the right thing should be, but unfortunately, they may be in a situation in their life where they were never taught how to do the right thing. They didn't have a godly example. They were never given the tools to operate with, so they don't know how to honor or pass the faith along because they'd never received that faith. Maybe they made some bad choices in their life, and as a result of these choices, they want what's best for you, but they can't even deliver what's best for you because they can't even deliver for themselves. That's why you pray for the women in your life. You pray that they will receive the honor that they need to receive. I told you yesterday in the broadcast that I was going to share with you how much it would cost if you had to pay for what moms do. If a stay-at-home mom earned an annual salary for all the jobs that she performs on a daily basis, how much would she earn? Well, a release of a study was just given here in the year of 2022, and it was a result of the annual mom salary survey. It came in just in time for Mother's Day. They surveyed more than 19,000 moms. And these moms were surveyed, and they've been followed since the start of the pandemic. And they estimated that the value of a mother who works by tracking it in real time. So they've included the inflation uh, that we're experiencing right now, a high price of gas and all that. So they've made the market prices adjustments based upon this inflation. And so what is the result? The medium salary for a stay-at-home mom this past year is $184,820. That is almost $7,000 above the pre-pandemic medium. Now, if you factor in the the pay premiums that companies offer, uh, like bonuses and overtime pay and and hazardous pay due to increased intensity of the work this past year, a stay-at-home mom could earn more than $200,000 annually. And I think that we can all agree they are worth every penny of it. Well, let's not forget all the working moms out there, right? Now, the data show that they are spending an average of 54 hours a week managing things on the home front, in addition to the hours they put in in their jobs outside of the home. So when you add it all up, the average working mom is spending 107 hours every week between work and home. That's the time that they're putting in. 
Now, we all know that moms are the ultimate multitaskers, right? Uh, They juggle a lot of different things and a lot of different responsibilities all day long, every day, but it doesn't really sink in until you see the full list. As a matter of fact, this year's study gave a consideration of the traditional roles like housekeeper and dietitian, and, and along with 20 different roles or positions. Now, here's just a, a sampling of a few, right? The mom is the chief financial officer, the CFO. Uh, she is the child care provider. She is the housekeeper. She is a laundry manager. She is the van driver. She is the meeting and the event planner and coordinator. She is the kitchen manager. She is the staff nurse. She is the conflict manager. She is the interior designer. And we could go on and on and on. I pray that the women in our lives understand that we honor them and they deserve to be honored. You know, moms are having a hard time in this day and age. They have so much on their plate and uh, so much they're working through. So if you are married to a woman, you ought to honor her not just on Mother's Day, but honor her for all that she's done. Sometimes men will come to me and say, well, I'm having some trouble in my marriage. And I tell them, I says, you know, for 33 years, I've had trouble in my marriage. And, uh, you know, there's constant conflict within a marriage. The issue is not, will there be conflict? The issue is, how are you going to deal with the conflict? Because you marry somebody who is opposite of you, And opposites attract, but then opposites attack. And that's kind of how it is. We're drawn to somebody because they're different than us. We love them. And then as we get married, we discover, man, these things that I loved about them, now uh, I've become a source of contention. As a matter of fact, when I do pre-marriage counseling, I tell both the husband-to-be and the wife-to-be, I want you to write me a list, and I want you to give me 10 reasons why you are marrying this person you're about to marry. Now, you can't use the same, I love him, that's why I'm marrying him 10 times over. I want you to really think about it. Why are you going to invest and spend the rest of your life with this guy or with this girl? Give me these 10 things. And you know what I do with that list? I hang on to that list. I put a file with their name on it because I've discovered something about this list. And I tell them, I said, don't compare notes, right? Uh, you, you get this list independently, and then we get together for a session. And uh, during that session... I will read what each other has written. And then I tell them, I'm going to keep this list. And I tell them, I says, in the future, when you come into a bump in the road, not if, but when, when you come into a bump in the road, before you decide uh, to throw in a towel and give up on one another, would you come to me and spend one session with me? And what I'll do in that one session is I'll open up that file and I'll look at that list. And I've discovered something. Nine times out of 10, That couple who is seeking this time of separation or they're having a hard time, it'll be something on that list that attracted that person to that other person. And all of a sudden, that same thing that attracted them now has become something that has become a source of conflict within that marriage. You know, I can use my own personal wife as an example. You know, one of the things I loved about my wife is when we were dating, she would drop everything to have a date with me. I could tell her, I could call her and say, hey, let's go to Taco Bell, right? And she said, sure, let's do it. And uh, and I'd swing by and pick her up and we'd go to Taco Bell. And I love that. that. She was just at the drop it out. Sure, let's do it. And I love that. But you know, now that we've been married a few years, I, I, I kind of resent that because she not only does that for me, but she'd do that with pretty much anybody uh, that she loves and cares about. Uh, and my daughter could call her and says, hey, mom, uh, let's go to Cracker Barrel. 
And it's drop uh, dropping a hatchet, go to Cracker Barrel. And I'm like, where are you going? <laughs> what about me? I feel like chopped liver over here. I feel like I'm being left behind, right? Well, the thing I loved about her now became the thing that I didn't like about her. And so many times, that's how it is. I want you to know that opposites attract, but then they attack. But if you will work through that, you will honor your wife for the difference that she has in what she brings into that marriage. Well, I want to transition to a whole new subject, okay? And so for today, the rest of today's broadcast and going into tomorrow, I want to talk about what is the tribulation. You know, when we think about the Bible, it has a lot to say about the future. The Bible has a lot to say about the first coming of Christ, but you know that it talks eight times more about the second coming than it does the first coming. And so I want to dive into the subject of what is the tribulation. And we're going to kind of be looking at the book of Daniel, Daniel chapter 12, So if you want to get a jump on it, I'm going to read the passage that we're going to look at over the next couple of days. Daniel chapter 12 says this, at that time, and this is a prophetic passage, at that time, Michael, the great prince who protects your people, he will arise. There will be time of distress such as has not happened from the beginning of nations until then. But at that time, your people, everyone whose name is found in the book will be delivered. That's talking about the book of life. If your name is written in the book of life, you will be delivered. Verse number two, Daniel 12 says, Multitudes who sleep in the dust of the earth will awake, some to everlasting life, others to shame and everlasting contempt. Those who are wise will shine like you in the brightness of the heavens, and those who lead many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. But you, Daniel, roll up the seal of the words of the scroll until the time of the end. Many will go here, and there will be increase in knowledge. So in Daniel chapter 12, these few verses that we have read, we're giving a glimpse of what is a time of tribulation. And we discover that there's a lot of descriptions about the tribulation in the Bible. But Daniel says it's going to be a time of great suffering. He says it's going to be distress that has not happened from the beginning of the nations. Again, Daniel is talking about the future, and and so the scroll is rolled up until the time for it to come. It gives us kind of a hint as to what's going to happen. Jesus talks about the birth pains that take place before the second coming of Christ. So to kind of set the context, the next event on God's calendar is the rapture of the church. The dead in Christ shall rise first, and we who are alive and remain shall be caught up to meet the Lord in the air, so shall we be with him forevermore. Uh, That's called the rapture. Now, the word rapture never actually appears in Scripture, but it means caught up. Uh, We're going to be caught up in the sky. So, the rapture takes place. Jesus is going to call us on home. He doesn't come down to the earth. We are ascending up to heaven. Now, I personally believe that at that moment, we're going to have our glorified body. Uh, You may disagree with me on that. That's okay. Uh, when I get my glorified body during the rapture, I'm going to say, I told you I was going to get my glorified body now, and you got yours too if you know Christ, okay? Uh, But regardless of what you feel about that, we discover that during this time of tribulation, and just building up to that time of tribulation, Daniel said there's going to be many going there and here, uh, that's much traveling, uh, and there's going to be a great increase in knowledge. Now, that fits our time, doesn't it? You think about how quickly things are multiplying when it comes to matters of technology. As a matter of fact, 
My cell phone that I'm using right now is antiquated. It's only three years old, but it's antiquated. As a matter of fact, my wife says to me, you need to get a new phone. Uh, Yours is outdated. And, And sure enough, it is because so much technology has improved just over the last three years. And I think about the technology that is just in my van, right? My van has this ability to automatically stop if I get too close to somebody. Uh, it has these cameras all over it so that if I if I drift in a lane and I get too close to you, it puts me back in my lane and it starts beeping. And, uh, and it has a thing on my mirror that shows that you're in my blind spot. It has all these unbelievable things. As a matter of fact, every month I get a report and the report tells me how many times I hit the brakes hard. I'm happy to report that last month I had no heartbreaking, okay? Uh, so that means I stayed back far enough from people. I didn't have to smash on the brakes. And it lets me know what kind of gas mileage I got the last month of driving. It tells me how many miles that I went. And uh, now it's kind of scary, right? Because if you steal my van, I will find out where my van is. I have the app on my phone that if you steal my vehicle, I will be able to track it down. You can't deactivate that part of the my van. Now, the bad thing is, Uh, Anybody could find me or find my van, right? Uh, That technology gets in the wrong hands of the wrong person. And I'm always worried about the insurance company, right? Uh, Are they able to know uh, how fast I drive? And and, uh, now that when I bought the car, they said, no, 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 we don't report any of that stuff to the insurance company. I don't know if that's true or not. But it's just amazing when you think about this increase in knowledge. During the Great Tribulation, it's going to be great suffering. Distress that has not happened. So the rapture of the church is the next event on God's calendar. Then there's going to be seven years of tribulation. Daniel says it's going to be a, a distress that has not happened from the beginning of the nation. So you think about the bad things that we've experienced just within the last hundred years, okay? Within the last hundred years, we've had a pandemic that has taken the life of many people, uh, the COVID pandemic. Uh, but even that pales in comparison to what we've experienced in the last Hundred years. I mean, within the last hundred years, right? Uh, we had Nazi Germany exterminating over six million Jews. We've had World War One, World War Two, all within the last hundred plus years. You think about Daniel saying it is a distress that has not happened from the beginning of the nations. It's worse than anything you can imagine. Daniel also says that it's a time of great separations. He says, those whose names are not in the book of life, those whose names were not in the book of life, they were separated. Uh, They went to a place of shame and everlasting contempt. So that's at the beginning of the tribulation, but then it's going to happen again, uh, finally, at the end of the tribulation. If your name is not found in the book of life, listen, I want your name to be in the Lamb's book of life. You say, how do I get my name in the Lamb's book of life? The Bible says, if you call upon the name of the Lord, you shall be saved. The Bible talks about a party up in heaven. You know, the only time that the heavenly band strikes up the choruses and and really bells out praises is when somebody gets saved. When somebody acknowledges that they're a sinner and they put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. You know, 2,000 years ago, he came. He came as a baby born in a lowly manger in a little obscure town called Bethlehem. He walked the face of the earth. As he was walking the face of the earth, he was 100% God. He was 100% man. He knew what it was like to go without food and be hungry. He knew what it was like to be tempted, but yet he never sinned because he was God. This perfect God-man 
died on the cross. He willingly offered himself up as a sacrifice for our sins. He wasn't forced to be on that cross. He could have called 10,000 angels. You know, I was thinking about what Christ has done for me, how Christ gave himself for us. Today, if you will put your faith and trust in the death, the burial, the resurrection of Jesus Christ, you'll be born again, and your name will be in the Lamb's book of life. Oh, I'd love to explain to you further the joy of being a follower of Christ. Would you give me a call if you'd like to know more information about how to become a a born-again believer? Call me at 757-421-7500. If you're more comfortable giving a text, you can shoot me a text message. I'm going to give you my cell phone, 252-267-2365-252-267-2365. You can call me, you can text me on that number, and I would love to explain to you further the joy of being a follower of Christ. When you accept that free gift of salvation, your name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. And the Bible has a lot to say about the Lamb's Book of Life. It is a list of everyone from Adam to the last person that's going to be born on this planet who has been born again. Oh, I want your name in that Lamb's Book of Life. Lord, thank you for being with us today as we talk about this subject of the tribulation. Lord, I pray for the person who needs to receive this free gift of salvation today. In Jesus' name, amen. If you'd like to hear this broadcast again, you can have a free download at buzzsprout.com backslash 1890557, or you can listen on Amazon, Spotify, Google Podcast, and Apple Podcast. Hickory Ridge Community Church is located at 3320 Battlefield Boulevard South in Chesapeake, Virginia. Sunday service times are 9 a.m. and 10.30 a.m. We'd love for you to join us. For more information, go to hrcc7.org. And remember, no matter what you're going through, in Jesus Christ there is always hope for your heart.